It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. The ranking member of House Armed Services, Mike Rogers, has announced the selection of Representative Rob Whitman uh, from Virginia's 1st District as the vice ranking member uh, for the 117th Congress. He joins me now, of course, with many shifts going on in Washington, D.C., and the military and Pentagon quarters. Uh, This committee will be a very busy committee in the next two years. Uh, Representative Whitman, thanks for joining me this morning. Good morning, David. Great to be with you. Thank you for joining us, and let's dive right in. First, uh, your, if you will, job description of your role on House Armed Services and what the Republican goals, the members of the committee and the minority, uh, would like to see accomplished in this first year. Well, our goals is, are, are to make sure that we stay on track with modernizing the military, making sure that we are generating the necessary readiness, not only to deter and defeat adversaries today, but making sure that we have what we need into the future. David, this is, this is one of the significant transitional times, uh, I think, in world history as far as how militaries will uh, defend uh, and also be able to uh, put at risk their adversaries. And that means modernizing our systems. Uh, that means unmanned systems. It means thinking outside the box. And especially for the United States, it means that we have to do more per our dollar than the Chinese do per their yuan or the Russians do per their ruble. We win strategically when we use our innovative and creative skills to do more with the dollars that we spend than the, the yuan or the ruble being spent by the Chinese or the Russians. That, that's, that's the bottom line. So we have to make sure that we continue sustaining the necessary uh, resourcing for our military. And we have to acknowledge that China is an existential threat. China is the pacing threat. We must assure that we have the military readiness and the posture and the structure to be able to counter the Chinese and make no mistake about it, the things that they are doing will put us in a strategically compromised position if we don't do those things. China today, as we speak, has a larger navy than the United States. Now, it used to be you'd say, well, they've got quantity, but they don't have quality. They have quality today in addition to quantity. It's incumbent for us to make sure that we rebuild our navy, that we have the 500 ships that the Battle Force 2045 plan speaks of, and that we have the right mix of unmanned and manned systems that we look at how we position ourselves to make sure it's more dispersed, to make sure there's different ways that we can hold the Chinese at risk. All those are things that are incredibly important, things that we on the Armed Services Committee have to emphasize. We have to emphasize China as the existential threat. We have to emphasize properly resourcing the military. We have to emphasize how we do things in the most efficient and cost-effective way to get the most out of what we spend, because we're not going to have multitudes of money to spend to outcompete our adversaries like we did during the Cold War. We have to be able to, to, to do this in context of the massive amount of debt that this nation has before it. So all those are things that we have to emphasize on the Armed Services Committee. 
There, there's so much here we won't cover it in this interview, to be fair. But let's talk about uh, readiness. Uh, and yes, you're right, the threats. You have a Chinese threat. You have the Indo-Pacific region, the Asian waters. You go into the northern waters, the Russians. You look at the Arctic. Uh, you look at the most crowded body in the Mediterranean with multiple navies and literally an accident waiting to happen and maybe a deadly accident on a daily basis or interaction. But readiness begins at home, and readiness begins with the military. Foreign doctrine, placement of forces, projection of forces, one thing. But right now, what we've seen since the change in administration is a change in the approach to the readiness of the warfighter in any of the services, and we're beginning to see that develop. Lloyd Wright steps in and immediately goes to the stand down to follow up on a political ideology around white supremacy. Do white supremacists exist? And uh, yes. Are there some likely in the military? Yes. But the readiness is also being challenged with the changes in rules on transgender, the changes in rules on social justice, on the trainings. I'm talking to the people in the military, officers and enlisted. And they're looking around, seeing a military that is a social experiment in the remaking as it was under the Obama-Biden years. So on the House Armed Services Committee, how are you poised to challenge some of these changes which have less to do with readiness and more to do with changing the warfighter? Well, David, the number one priority for our nation's military must be that it is an effective, lethal fighting machine, period. That should be the number one objective. And everything that is done in the military, from personnel uh, to policies to, to, uh, to their operational plans, needs to be around, can we effectively defend the United States? Can we, when called upon, uh, win in, a, in a, both a kinetic or a cyber battle, whatever the case may be, that needs to be the number one focus. When, when we start to move away from that, when other elements start to move us away from that, that becomes problematic. Because I think if, if you aren't focused solely on that objective, uh, there's a tendency uh, to have a weaker and less effective military. Now, so I, what I, are the Republicans going to do to counter some of the actions being taken now and some of those being proposed by the Biden administration. I mean, I'm hearing, look, I'm hearing from captains and colonels, mm-hmm. privates and up, from both sides of this, enlisted and officer ranks in the last few weeks. And these are real concerns for them because the war fighter at the core of a ship, at the core of a, a comms vehicle in the desert, at the core of a sub, at core of, a, of an airplane is the war fighter. And that's what readiness really is. And these issues that begin to turn the military into a social experiment need to be challenged because the simple question is, how does that decision, that change in policy make the unit more ready to fight, combat readiness? Well, that's that's a key. And, David, what we have to do is we have to demand transparency in what these changes involve. And then how are they directly related, just as you say, to the objective of making sure that they are additive to creating an effective fighting machine, that lethal force that, that, that we talk about. So when you do a stand down, you talk about where we are going to seek out extremists. 
listen, that, that's that's a part of what happens with security checks. You look at that. But the question now is, is what is that definition? What is the definition of extremism? What's going to be done in order to implement this new policy? We're, we're not even sure what the, what the definition is. I think those things are critically important, not only for Congress to know, but for every member of the military to know. And yes, we, we, don't, we don't want um, folks that, that are going to be doing things that are counter to the interest of this nation or things that, that we know are harmful, period. That, that's, that's the bottom line. But we also want to make sure that this doesn't become something other than that under the guise of, of this. There needs to be a thoughtful balance there. And the way that you do that is to make sure there's a clear, unambiguous definition of, of what's going to happen with uh, rooting out extremism. Uh, and then transparency. If you're going to remove somebody, why were they removed? What is the situation under which they're removed? What was the definition? So every military member, so members of Congress, so the public understand, okay, this is what is unacceptable, and this is what is acceptable. If you don't make it transparent, and if we don't, as members of Congress, demand transparency, that becomes problematic. And it's the same with any other policy changes. If you're going to operate differently in how you define who can and cannot serve in the military, uh, and it becomes a guessing game or it becomes nondescript or it becomes something that is one thing today and something else tomorrow, or, as you said, is there to achieve another objective besides the creation of a lethal, effective fighting force, then we are going to have a problem with our nation's military. Simple question that I get asked a lot, so I'll pass it on to you, and I'll go back to the transgender issue being brought in by the Biden administration. How does an elective choice by someone in the military match with the idea of taxpayer dollars being used to pay for transgender surgeries while in the military, and then the care that goes on even after military? Uh, listen, I, I don't believe that there should be uh, the accommodation of having somebody come in the military and demand that they go through gender change surgery, whatever the ca case may be. Now, now listen, if, if, if you're there, as long as you are performing the job, I think it ought to be based on your performance. But as far as the military being the conduit to say, I, this is what I'm going to pursue as, as a as a gender change, especially on, on the surgical side of things, I, I, I just don't believe that that's the role for the military to, to undertake. And, and if it does that, that becomes very, very problematic as to, as to how the military is viewed in relation to what its objective is. And again, we go back to the objective. How do you create that effective lethal fighting force that we need to defend this nation? Anything that doesn't lend itself to that or anything that makes that more difficult, I think, has to be questioned. And again, if, if this is a situation where now you are going to uh, pay for somebody that decides while they're in the military to change genders, I, I think that's problematic. I think that that does cut to how effective can our fighting force be with that policy. I would recommend that your committee go back and look at some of the things you'll have to deal with. The Marine Corps study in 2015 on women in combat, combat readiness there. They did that study. The test was effective. It's not against women in combat, but there has to be an assessment whether it's a woman or a man to meet the standards. And, you know, the people of America fund this. We pay for this, our tax dollars. We want an effective military, not a social experiment, no matter who you are, what you believe in, 
and congressman, we have a lot of these provisions to deal with these problems in the UCMJ. Yes. And that needs we to be it. used, not a social experiment. I agree. The, the UCMJ covers issues, I think, pretty completely. And, and David, you hit at the heart of it. The bottom line for our nation's military needs to be one measure and one measure only. And that is, can you perform the job that is part of your mission with your unit? And that mission is to be that lethal fighting force. If, if anything that happens in the policy takes away from that, we better question that policy and better make sure that that policy doesn't change to lessen the effectiveness of our fighting force. Thank you, sir. And as I said, a very straightforward question for anyone who brings up issues of military in your committee. How does that improve the combat readiness and the effectiveness of that unit? If they can't answer that question, then maybe the idea is not so good. Thank you for joining me this morning. Thanks, David. Representative Rob Whitman from Virginia's 1st District, vice-ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee for the 117th Congress. 866-95-PATRIOT. Program it in and use it. You can join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.